welcome to the Wesleyan Podcast, bringing you news and financial tips for doctors, dentists, teachers and lawyers. Hello, I'm Neil Whelan and welcome to the Season 3 premiere of the Wesleyan Podcast. After ending off Series 2 with our tribute to the NHS and its 70th birthday, we're starting a new term with a back-to-school special. Alongside me on co-hosting duties today, as always, is Wesleyan CR Officer Jessica Wilkes-Redding. Hello, Jess. Hi, Neil. And back again is friend of the podcast, Customer Experience Manager, Sarah Cooper. Hello, Hello. Neil. Hello. And as well as these two, we'll be hearing from other people around the business about their school days throughout the show. But let's start at the beginning, ladies. Can you remember your first day at school? Go on, Jess. I definitely can. Uh, Liso's Primary School in my hometown of Stafford. I walked in with my mum and I was like, yeah, see you later, mum, there's loads of toys. Great big room, full of toys, and I just thought, this is genuinely the greatest day of my life. It was absolutely awesome. And I also remember there was a display in there of the reading books that we were going to be doing. So this was 1980-something. And it was Roger Red Hat, Billy Blue Hat, and Jennifer Yellow Hat. Amazing, amazing. <laughs> Roger Red Hat and the Triangle Village. Yeah, the little wooden bits that you could fit together. Oh, it was awesome. Yeah, so I think, like the pair of us, we just thought that was a book in our own school. So to find no. out that this, we all had it is, Absolutely. is crazy. I loved Roger Red Hat. It was the absolute best. I just genuinely thought it was a Stafford thing. But, no. um, yeah... That's awesome. And my primary school was very, very old, so it had it had Eni Blyton books coming out of its ears. Magic Faraway Tree. All of them. Famous five. The, the maths. Oh, Magic Faraway Tree. The math. The math. <laughs> the maths books, and this is not my age. The maths books were in pounds, <laughs> shillings, and pence. <laughs> this is totally your age. No, is it? it? Is it though? Is it? Um, you used a slate as well. <laughs> but there were blackboards, so. I mean, my first day at school, um, it was a tiny little school in Harbour, Eccleston. It's no longer there. They knocked it down and built houses on it. My The first lad I sat next to was a chap called Julian. But, of course, that was the first time you've heard that name. Yeah. So I came out of school. My mum goes, oh, did you make any friends today? And I went, oh, yeah, there's a boy called Julie. <laughs> I remember mum going, are you, are you sure? Are you sure he's called Julie? I'm going, yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> And it was only, you know, two or three days later when I was, oh, his name's Julian. Yeah, okay, right. right. And, um, <laughs> but yeah, I probably remember more people from my primary school class than my secondary school class because it was just yeah, ingrained definitely. on it. For sure. I mean, I'm still friends with some, some of the people mm. I went to primary school with. And yeah. I think my first day was, you know, you start as you mean to go on. So I remember coming home from my first day at school and my dad said, because my dad was a teacher, <coughs> And he said, um, how was your day, darling? And I said, I said, yeah, it was okay. And he was like, why okay? I said, well, I got told off. And he said, why did you get told off? I said, well, I was talking. And he said, okay, so why were you talking? I was like, well, you know, I was just making some friends. And he said, oh, um, but was the teacher speaking at the time? I said, yes. And he said, so why were you talking? I said, well, she was interrupting me. <laughs> 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 and, he, and he said that was one of the moments he just went, oh no, here we go. Yeah, you're going to be trouble. Yeah. yeah. We'll put our faith in the brother now. <laughs> and we'll, we'll say though that now we've got the power of things like Facebook and you can, can keep up with people that you've known 
since you were like three and four years Absolutely. old. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, my oldest friend Jenny, we were at nursery school together from sort of like the age of three. There's a very famous picture of us from the old Staffordshire newsletter promoting new play equipment where we're jollily pushing down one of the play workers down a new slide. I will dig that out for you. <laughs> um, but then we both went to different primary schools and then on the first day of high school we both walked into our tutor group and we were reunited, shall we say, and we're still friends now, you know, however 30 odd years later. It's amazing, so, isn't it? Yeah, so shout out to Jenny. Hello, I'm James Heaney, the Investments Marketing Manager. In terms of an inspirational teacher, I had quite a few actually. Um, I went to the Friary School in Litchfield and Probably the most inspirational teacher there, I would have to say, was Teresa Craig, who was the performing arts teacher at the school. And she also happened to be my form tutor from year 10 onwards. Not only was she this kind of charismatic character who you just wanted to listen to every word she said, she was also someone that treated us as individuals. She, she knew everyone and their personality types and how they'd respond to different situations and tasks. And she also spoke to us like we were humans and adults as well, which was really appreciated. She was also quite an eccentric character in some ways, so we had the lecture theatre as a common room and form room. And she was not opposed to us kind of getting on the stage, someone playing the piano and us just having a massive sing-along. So it, it was quite, um, quite a, an experience and it was one that I found inspiring. It certainly led me to think anything is possible. If you have the right attitude, but you're also pragmatic in it, um, and you work with people rather than trying to dictate to them, um, that's how you get the best result. So your dad was a teacher. He was. What's it like growing up in a house with a teacher? Amazing. Because <laughs> <laughs> I think we all did it, you know, accidentally called the teacher mum or dad. <laughs> But you're the only person who gets away <laughs> with it. So my dad was, um, he, he was a deputy head for, for most of it. And um, I, I was, so you know when you have a day off sick mm. and you, you generally, you know, you're at home and you get to relax and you watch a bit of TV and all that kind of stuff. No, not me. I used to have to go to school with my dad and sleep on a... Um, he used to have this like camp bed in his office. Green with like the metal bits. Yes. Oh, we had that in our sick that. room. So I used to, so when I was sick, I still had to go to school. I had to go to school with my dad, and then I used to get that the kids would come up. And my dad was, he was strict, but he was also kind of quite a fun teacher as well. And I, I remember I was, I was waiting for him outside of his office. And um, one of the kids kind of came up because he was in middle school, he was a middle school teacher. Mm-hmm. And one of the kids came up and was just like, I'm not scared of your dad. I was like, all right, that's okay. <laughs> well done, you. Congratulations. And then my dad came up and he just went, oh, Mr. Cooper, would you like a crisp? <laughs> oh, right. Oh, yeah. Okay, so you're not scared of my dad, but yeah. So your dad was a teacher at your school? <clears throat> not at my school. Thank goodness for that. Yeah, no. That he he purposefully... Um, yeah, sent me to a, mm. to a different school. So my dad was in the, the next house. My dad worked in Bedworth, and I went to school in Neaton. And that was because, yeah, it would have been difficult yeah. if we'd been in the same school, for sure. But then he's he got, you know, obviously a lot of his friends were teachers and headmasters mm. and stuff. And um, my godfather is, uh, was a headmaster up north in um, Scarborough. And his son went to the same school, and they had no issues mm. whatsoever. Mm. I think it just 
Yeah, there was a kid in my primary school. His mum was a teacher there. I mean, he let you know that his mum was a teacher. But, yeah. You know, yeah. But he's all right. My auntie was a dinner lady, and that was oh, really? brilliant. Because if you used to queue up, you used to get extra portions. She'd be like, "Hi, Auntie Jeanette," and she'd be like, "Don't tell him on it," and we'd give you an extra piece of sponge and different coloured green custard, like you know the green custard, mm. yeah. pink custard, all that kind of thing. Amazing. Oh yeah, you always used to get a bit extra if Auntie Jeanette was on pudding. <laughs> yeah, my nan was a school cook as well, so uh, yeah, she'd be making chocolate concrete to to bring home as well, which was different class. I never had that. Really? Yeah, I've never had chocolate concrete. I will make you some. Amazing. That'd be awesome. I will make some. Be life changing. Hello, my name's Simon Bett. I uh, work in IT department. My story of an inspirational teacher, I'd have to talk about Mr. Glenn, who was the physics teacher. Um, you either loved him or hated him. He was a strong disciplinary, um, very strict, but he loved physics and he taught physics very, very well. Um, throughout school I struggled with uh, things like English, um, no jokes, and um, maths and physics were my strong point, but physics, um, he, he taught very good formulas, one of his um, favourite ones was effort plus attitude equals pathetic, and he was very much a case of you do the work, you'll get the results. Um, and I was happy to say I, I sat two subjects with uh, Mr Glenn in the my final year, which was higher physics and um, electronic engineering, and um, passed them um, with uh, very good scores. Um, didn't go on to use it in my career, but it did lead me into IT, which is um, where I've now had a 21-year career to date, and thoroughly enjoy it. So thank you, Mr Glenn. So after primary school, presumably you went to secondary school? No. Oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) So what was that like, having the transition from primary school to secondary school? Quite difficult, I think, especially for me, because I went to such a small little village, very cute little primary school, and then going up to high school with over a thousand people in this great big building... And, you know, you, you used to go in for a day before when none of the other students were there, which was, and I think a lot of schools still do that now, from what I understand. But that first day when you walk in and there's just a sea of people, everyone's bigger than you. And because you're a first year, you've got the biggest rucksack, you've got the full uniform on, so you stand out like a sore thumb. Yeah. I mean, I was tiny, you know, probably still am quite small now for, you know, it's not fair, is it? <laughs> um, but no, you sort of walk in and you're just hit with this, wall of noise and sounds and sensations and it's actually quite terrifying trying to find where you had to go was also here's a here's a, here's a tip don't ever ask a sixth former where a classroom is because they will send you the furthest point away ever mm-hmm. we used to have mobile huts did you have those yeah temporary classrooms. Yeah, temporary classrooms they're still at my old high school now and you know not so temporary no exactly and we, we walked up to these six forms like excuse me Where's the English lab? And they were like, oh yeah, top floor, third floor, third floor. That was maths. And we got sent all the way up to the top floor, up all these stairs to then get there. And the the teachers were like, what are you doing here? They're here for English. And they're like, this is maths. English is all the way down, right the way to the temporary hut. And we're there with our big bags and we turned up late and we got in trouble. That's not our fault, it's the sixth formers. (laughs) <laughs> we should tr- this is when you learn how not to trust older kids Absolutely. and of course you didn't do the same when you <laughs> I wasn't a sixth former I went to college right that's your, that's your get out 
about you? I think for me, um, it was particularly difficult because not many of my friends, maybe actually only one or two, went mm. to my high school. So I started school and I really didn't know anyone and I had to start from scratch again. Mm, me. And it was, it was, it was tough. It was really tough, and um, I was—I remember being excited, but also really anxious mm. as well because I didn't know what to expect. I didn't know anyone. Um, yeah, and, and it was—you know—it was fine. I mean, I, I went and mm. it was great, and I'm still friends. Between there's those pockets of, of kids who have come together from other schools, and lot, you're just on your own. That's... Yeah, I mean, there was a lot of kids that came from the same school, and so trying to you know, get into those mm. groups was, it was tough. Tying in with this is your book, Jessica, yes. is The Curse of the Nomad, which is all about transitioning from primary school to secondary school. How's that going? Really well. Um, had some lovely feedback from Staffordshire Libraries, who we've done a series of workshops with around their summer reading challenge. So BB's been out to libraries that she's not been out to before. Uh, we've had some wonderful feedback that the kids have been really inspired um, you know, we've also gifted enough books to the library service over there so each library can actually have one. Um, it's the same as also what we've done over here too. And yeah, it's, it is all about that transition and that anxiety. And, you know, set on the first day of school and these kids get thrown into a situation and then they get thrown into an even more sticky situation with an Egyptian headmaster who's a god <laughs> who wants to, you know, take souls and different things. But what's wonderful about the story is we worked with Partnership for Children on the messaging so there's loads of messaging in there about choosing the right solution taking time working together you know working through your anxieties together as a group and there's some really lovely wonderful messages in there and you you can buy it in foils in Birmingham it's on Amazon as well Um, yeah so if you're looking for a back to school book because we're only what few days left now Mm -hmm. before kids go back to school so yeah Curse of the Nomad and if you go onto the website as well there's also loads of free, free resources for parents, for carers, for teachers, and also for the young people themselves. So lots of worksheets and different things to work through. And there's loads of information online as well. I think that's that's the biggest difference, I yeah. think, from when we started high school. Is for sure. That just didn't exist. Yeah. And it was almost like you were sort of thrown into this unknown. And I think now it's better for kids. I mean, it's never going to be easy. It's never going to be an absolute walk in the park. But there's so many more resources out there that I think parents can, can utilise. So yeah, curseofthenomad.co.uk and there's loads of free activities on there. And I think as well, I think all of the kids that worked on the project um, did a phenomenal job. Yeah, an they did. absolutely phenomenal job. Mm-hmm. And we saw them, you know, from being quite <coughs> kind of a little bit timid and, and shy and they, you know, at the end of it you know they were absolutely amazing and they they all got up and and did their presentations you know in front of a group of people that they they didn't know um 12 years old 11 12 years old and absolutely just were amazing yeah Um, every single one of them um it was an utter pleasure to be part of this project i have to say and well done jess like for organizing it i think it was just amazing and it definitely goes down as one of the highlights of, of I think, of my career. Yes. No, it, <laughs> it was wonderful. And it's really lovely that we've still got that contact with Four Dwellings. And they tweeted the other day that they were really impressed with their GCSE results, which is great news because it's been quite a stress. Yeah, it's just really lovely to hear how these young people have been inspired um, 
and how we've been able to help them with their confidence and you could really see that from day one to the last day and since I've been back to the school I went to the school the other week for a meeting and I saw them and they're all waving and running towards me going hi (laughs) kind of thing and I was like do you know what if there's one thing because I think I did projects at school that I look back on and go gosh I really enjoyed that and I know that those kids will get to our age and go that project we did was amazing and we learned so much yeah and it's just fantastic and yeah if we ever get the chance to do anything like that again I'd you know I'd absolutely jump at the chance and I think as well seeing <clears throat> how the teachers their rapport mm-hmm. with the children as well and you know the sheer you know the professionalism and the hard work that they do I mean it, it was it was inspiring mm-hmm. it really was mm-hmm. um, because it, I mean we all know if you have you're lucky to you know if you have one really great teacher, they can absolutely inspire you throughout your life and your career. So who was your inspiring teacher at school? So mine was Mr May. And I actually, when I came back, um, because I lived in Australia for about seven years, and I came back about three or four years ago for a visit. And my dad, um, he works on appeals. Um, He's retired, but he works on appeals in his spare time. And um, he, he'd been in touch with Mr May because he's one of the, the academies that uh, he was looking into and stuff. And um, he said, oh, he said, I mentioned you to Mr May. And Mr May said, oh, you know, he'd, he'd, like to, he'd like to see you. So I actually went to his school again at the grand old age of, what was I, 35. And um, saw him again and sat down and had a coffee with him and a, and a chat. And he was... A, you know, I said to him, I said, you were just utterly inspiring. He was my teacher when I was nine, ten, mm-hmm. and he was completely engaging, um, very creative in how we taught, um, got, you know, was very passionate. He was only a young teacher at the time, he'd only been qualified, I think, maybe a year, two years. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was just phenomenal, and I just—it was the only teacher that, when I had to move to the next class, I cried because I didn't—I didn't want to leave his class. Um, and he's just brilliant, and it's fantastic to see that he's gone on and now he's like a—he—he's a principal of an academy, and um, you know, and it was great to catch up with him, um, you know, and talk about you know what he'd been up to and what I'd been up to, and he showed me around his school and. It was it was great, and I'll always be thankful mm. to him because he he made me passionate about a number of things, and he taught us about the environment, and we went out and we did like litter picking and all that kind of stuff. And at that point, that wasn't really done. No. Um. So yeah, Mr. May. Hi, I'm Kelly Collum, um, and I'm the employee engagement officer and inspirational teacher that. I remember from school is um, my psychology teacher. So I did psychology for two years in sixth form at Bishop Walsh School in Sutton. Um, And the reason why he was just so inspirational is just I remember his lessons now. They stand out really clearly. So things like um, when we were learning about like the theory of like association. So um, he did this really funny lesson where he got one of the quite cheeky kids to stand up and um, read off the board a statement and every time like the words I think it was sunshine that came up he got a water pistol and totally drenched him so by the end of it the kid knew that every time the word sunshine was read out he was going to be absolutely drenched in water 
and obviously the class loved it and were laughing and um, it's always good to see one of the naughty kids as well um, look a bit stupid. Um, so I loved him for just for his kind of innovation when it was he was lesson planning. It wasn't just about listening to him teach or talk at the front of the classroom and us take notes. It was actually like getting us to remember his lessons. So then when you're in the exam, a question comes up about, you know, discuss um, the association theory. Straight away you remember, oh yeah, that was when Charlie got soaked. I know that. And, you know, you wrote it down, you passed the exam. What was yours, Jess? Uh, Mr Houston, English teacher at high school, um, in one of the temporary huts at high school, <laughs> um, and he was just brilliant, um, and up until about three years ago he was still teaching at the school, and I went to a cricket match, which was my old high school teacher's cricket match, I randomly ended up there, and he was there, and I was, and it's so weird seeing a teacher as, a, as an adult now, because you're just like, hey Mr Houston, because you're just like, <laughs> and, and, and everyone's like, alright Rob, and I'm like, I can't call him Rob. Just doesn't work. No. Just doesn't work. No. Um, but yeah, he was ace. But yeah, very much like your teacher, really creative. And I think he he was part of the reason that I got really, really inspired to just, just read. I'm, I just absolutely demolished yeah. books. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he taught Shakespeare. And I think for a lot of young people, Shakespeare gets ruined by school because it just gets right. completely and utterly picked apart. I and mean, he just really brought it to life. And I think sometimes it can be too dry because of, because of the way it has to be taught. Yeah. But it doesn't have to be. Um, yeah, so we did, we did uh, Macbeth with him, Romeo and Juliet, which I still love to this day. We did war poetry. And um, we also did lots of things around sort of language and the creation of language. And I remember writing a story about how language became and all of that kind of stuff. And it was, it was fab. Hello, uh, my name's Ross Easterby, Um, I work at Wesleyan and I am the Society's Data Governance Manager. My story about an inspirational teacher was a teacher that was my A-level sociology uh, teacher. I was in a position in my sixth form where at the end of my first year there was one subject that I was doing, which was chemistry, which um, was not quite what I was expecting at A-level. At GCSE, it was about taking various chemicals and putting them in a Bunsen burner and watching them explode. Whereas at A-level, it was a lot more theoretical and equations were involved. And um, it didn't really work out for me, so I was left with a bit of a decision. Should I do something different and do it in one year? Or should I continue with the chemistry A-level and persevere a little bit more? And after some soul-searching, I decided that I wanted to do something new and do something different. So I actually came out of my sixth form and did A-level sociology at the local college. And a lot of the teachers at the time were a bit like, oh, you're going to go to the college, it won't be as good as the sixth form we have here. And the best teacher I ever had was a teacher at that college. I went in, it was a completely different environment, it was a completely different way of teaching. She encouraged me to think, not to write down copious notes of what the teacher at the front was saying. She tried to make everything relatable and uh, she did everything in such an approachable way and she definitely was uh, the type of teacher who said you will get what you put in and because of her teaching methods and her style um, I worked really hard and the best A-level I got out of the four that I did get was that one in sociology and I owed all of that to her. So mine was Mr Inman and he too was an English teacher and like yours just was very very Entertaining, just brought the subject to life and yeah, yeah, yeah. with the poetry and, and the books and everything. You do all the voices, and then once a year he'd get up in assembly 
and read a story. Now, the first time we did, I mean, this story was amazing. It was only afterwards that we, we realised he wrote it. We thought it was all like wow. a, a rolled doll lost manuscript, but he wrote it, had the whole school in stitches. And I can still remember what it was. It was about this kid who breaks into this window and finds himself in this room just full of jars on shelves and whatnot, and he cracks one open. It's dark, he can't see what they are. Cracks one open, reaches inside, and it, it's a pickled onion. So he eats it and goes, oh, wow, this is the best pickled onions I've ever had. And he you know, keeps it a secret, he has some, and then goes off, and then breaks the next night and has some more. And then eventually the security guard catches him, switches the lights on, and you know drags him out the front door of this building. And it's only at that point that he realises the building he'd broken into was the eye hospital. <laughs> <laughs> but oh, they were amazing. delicious. Amazing. So he kind of... He was the first person to show me that normal people can be writers and be creative. And until that point... All, all your favourite writers, whoever they are, whether they're Roald Dahl or J.K. Rowling, whoever, they're super famous writers, yeah. and you just assume they've always been that way. And then all of a sudden, there was this regular guy writing these amazing stories, and that inspired me to, you know, go off and be a writer myself. But he eventually left the teaching profession and became a stand-up comedian. Really? Oh, wow! Amazing. Yeah. So he, he did gigs here and there. Not that I ever saw him live when I got the, the free show at school, um, but he was in a film and a TV show. So the, the film he was in, he played a shopkeeper in this god-awful Brit flick, uh, <laughs> Sex Lives of the Potato Men. Oh! <laughs> Which, with Johnny Vegas and... Oh, OK, Dr. amazing. Was it Mackenzie Crook, the one at the office? Oh, yeah, yeah, it, was yeah. Also, it, was, it was dreadful. Um, but he also played a, a, a camera inspector in EastEnders. You know, one of those guys who go around to pubs looking at real uh, ale and stuff. yeah. So I remember, you know, I got wind that he was going to be in EastEnders, and I never watched the show. If it's ever on, it's only on his wallpaper. And I was doing something one night, you know, making my tea or whatnot, and looked at the, the telly, and there was Mr Inman standing <laughs> in the old tea <laughs> the bar with the, the Queen Vic in Walford. So I go, OK. That's amazing. So yeah, so, you know, he, he, he proved that normal people can do, you know, really exciting Anything. stuff. Yeah. And I think, you know, my, my dad, he used to... Um, he used to do, like, you know, when we were going to bed and stuff, when we were kids, he used to do a very similar thing, the fact that he'd make stories up mm. that he'd kind of work me and my brother into. Mm. And um, I remember one in particular, it was called Michael Mole. And he... <laughs> Michael Mole lives in a hole. And, um, you know, he would, you know, he'd kind of create all these mm. stories. And it just brought so much stuff to life. And I think, you know, you have to... It just shows that, you know, teachers have to be... So creative with what they're doing, yeah. um, and just you know, and that's just inspiring in itself. You know how they speak to the individual kids and all that kind of stuff. Like I mean, you know, it, yeah, it, it was brilliant. Michael Mole, Michael Mole, Michael Mole. There's book three. There's book three. But I mean, yeah. even now with so many distractions that these kids have got, whether it's phones, iPads, the internet, and whatnot, the prospect of been plonked in a chair and facing a teacher all day it's just like what's this all about so they've got to be creative yeah. now absolutely to yeah. keep them engaged and it was quite something like I was having a, a chat with my, my niece the other day and she's seven and she said um, she goes to a, a village school and there's only 15 in her class mm. and she said um, she's Auntie Sarah she said um, I'm the only person in my class that doesn't have a tablet and I said oh is that right darling she loves to write 
and she will she's quite a prolific writer she's written a, a book that's a hundred pages long gosh um, and I said okay I said so you know you know you, you do your writing you've got this wonderful imagination and she said yes I said, um, <coughs> I said if you had a tablet so do you think that you know you would spend less time doing your writing and more time on the tablet she said yes I said, right. I said, but you do these wonderful stories. I said, so do, do other people in your class do these wonderful stories? And she said, no. I said, so maybe, mm-hmm. you know, we don't get you a tablet and you just continue to write. And she said, ah, yeah, okay. And I thought, yeah, round one to <laughs> Auntie Sarah. Yeah. But I'm waiting for the next, mm, the yeah. next round because she's already gone to my dad and, and said exactly the same thing. Hiya, I'm Emily Palgrave and I'm the Internal Communications Apprentice in WFS. Hello, my name's Christy Barry and I work in the General Insurance Admin Team. So, me and Christy both went to Bishop Walsh Catholic School, which is in Sutton Coldfield, and we recently finished last year. It was a very good school in terms of academically, um, their performing arts, everything, and... Yeah, it was a really good school, and the teachers there, they were all lovely, like, there was no teacher that you were kind of like, oh, I didn't really like them, didn't really like them. Um, but yeah, my, probably most of my inspirational teacher would be one of the RE teachers called Miss Meek. I had her for GCSE and A-level RE, and she, she was a laugh, like, she, she could be strict sometimes, as every teacher, but she was a laugh, and yeah, she was really interested about it. she had loads of stories to tell. Um, one of them being she survived the um, Boxing Day tsunami in Thailand. Um, that was a really interesting story because I don't know how she managed to survive it. Um, so when she tells that story, it's like a goosebumps kind of moment. My most inspirational teacher would be Miss Condren, who was our psychology A-level teacher. Miss Condren was a young teacher who we all really got along with. And I think this is because she understood us as people and some of the older teachers didn't quite understand how young people are sometimes and put a lot of pressure on us. But she'd recently come out of uni and gone straight into work and this was just through hard work which made me think if you actually put your mind to something then you can do it. And um, she had a really good peer and teacher relationship with us and we all got along with her really well and this was because of the respect that she gave us and even when I used to feel like I wouldn't be able to get through my psychology lessons, she always believed in us, and that is something that really helped, um, especially having not much confidence academically. So, were there any celebrities who went to your school? Well, primary school, the most famous person who went to there was Richard Burton's last wife, Sally. Oh, wow. My secondary school, we had England and Arsenal footballer Alan Smith, who was the only person to take German A-level. And so obviously, every German book we found, we put wow. A. Smith in there to make people think that he'd done it. And we also had the dubious honour of Enoch Powell. Wow. <laughs> oh, really? That yeah. is a very dubious And honor, even while I was at school, the school was a pain to point out he was only here for a couple of hours. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my so, goodness. Yeah. So, so Jess and I are just Googling. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, well, I've learned something. This is pretty cool. Go on, then. Jonathan Ive. Designer of the iMac, iPod, iPhone and iPad went to my high school. Wow. Sir Jonathan That is really cool. That's amazing. And Dave Gorman. The comedian. Yeah, yeah. And he used to go back to the Wildwood pub 
in um, there the was a Wildwood and the Linton Linton Tavern at Christmas because his family is still from around there. And people used to see him in the pub and they'd be like, all right, Dave. I'm like, all right, kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, and the only other one is Julia Hills, who I think was in 2.4 Children, because I believe she all came back to school at one point. Oh, is she the mother? She was the sister. Oh, she was the, the sister. Name. Yeah. But yeah, Sir Jonathan Ive. That is cool. That is amazing. That's very good. That knocks Alan Smith into a cocktail. Wow. So, so we have two. Go on. So I went to Heimline School in Eton. And Gareth Edwards, director of Monsters, Godzilla, and Star Wars Rogue One, Ooh. went to my school. And John Holmes, BAFTA award-winning writer, comedian, and broadcaster, writer of horrible histories. Oh, I love horrible histories. And my niece loves horrible. I it's love watching so it. Funny. It's so funny. It's brilliant. See, so who knows who you go to school with and what they'll become? That brought us to the end of the show. <laughs> <laughs> that is our show for this week. Thanks to Sarah and Jess for popping into the studio and the others who have taken part. As always, you can search for us on Facebook and LinkedIn, as well as on Twitter at Wesleyan. Jessica, what's our CR Twitter handle? At Wesleyan CR. Makes sense. You can also subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and now on Spotify. Woo! Yay! <laughs> anyway, <laughs> until next time, thank you very much for listening.